You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction, sorcerer of death construction. In the fields of bodies burning. Machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This program is coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. An apology for this week, maybe a few days before it's podcast, but it will be podcast. You wonder what anarchism is all about? It's not the inadequate response to the floods or the national disasters we see every time in this country. Anarchism, anarchos without rulers. It's about creating a society without rulers. What gives rulers the abilities to determine the lives of hundreds of millions of people, inequalities in power and wealth? So the anarchist struggle is the struggle to devolve power, that's share power, possibly through direct democratic means, and hold wealth in common and use it for the common good. Not very radical concepts. To me, radical is somebody spending $50 million on a home in Brighton, in Melbourne, and me having to walk over people, you know, not just in the CBD, but in the burbs, who can't even have a roof over their heads. And we have a state election coming up, you know, in a few weeks. I mean, to me, that's a radical that we allow that type of shit to continue ad nauseum. Now, you see... A lot of people are hung up on corruption. They think the problem is corruption. Well, the problem isn't corruption. The problem is a corrupt ideology. Now, we like to think that unlike the communist world or unlike a few dictatorships around the place, it's all about market forces. It's all about market forces. It's all about aspiration. But ultimately, capitalist society, especially corporate capitalist society, is based on one underlying principle, and that's private investment for private profit. If you don't make a private profit, your business goes under, and you're just another casualty. So the problem isn't people putting their hands in the till, although that happens regularly. Well, the problem is an underlying ideology in our society which encourages people to put their hand in the till. 
which encourages people to forget about the climate emergency or use the climate emergency to maximise their profits at the expense of the community. So it's a corrupt ideology that we follow. And anybody who tells you we don't have an ideological basis in this country is a liar. A simple liar. Because with a private investment for private profit ideology which underruns all this country's institutions and governments at the local, state and federal level, what we've seen over the last 40 years, and I'm sure you're bored with this, but what we've seen is wholesale privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation, deregulation. And we've seen all those struggles that were carried out over decades and centuries to improve people's lives being washed away by this tsunami, by this tsunami of privatisation, this tsunami which allows corporations to dominate and manipulate the marketplace, this tsunami which ensures that will go anywhere in the world to make a product as long as the world's lowest wages. And this tsunami which has been in place, which removes all those regulations which were put in place to protect working people. Do you really think that without those sacrifices that were made over decades and centuries, that we would find ourselves in a situation where we do enjoy certain privileges... But unfortunately, many of the privileges we used to enjoy have been swept away in this tsunami. They have been swept away. And we, that's right, we, you and me, the aspirational voter, the aspirational Australian, has rubbed their hands in clear and said, oh, goody, goody, goody. Maybe, maybe they will brush off a few crumbs off the corporate table in my direction. Well, they're not. If you think that we couldn't have five-year-olds in minds, that we couldn't have wholesale homelessness in this country, think again. And the reason these type of things can occur is because we have, as a people, and I include myself in this, you know, there's no point blaming everybody else except yourself, we as a people have accepted this corrupt ideology that the only way for a society to run is by a private investment for private profit motive. I mean, I have to laugh when I hear all these financial gurus and, you know, going on social media or television or legacy media or whatever, talk about the market. The market. As if it's some living, breathing entity. The market will do this. The market will do that. We are the market. We are the market. And while we accept the private investment for private profit mantra, we will continue to be faced with problems which can never seem to be resolved. I'll give you an example. 
Look, I live in central Victoria these days. I come into Melbourne a few days a week, all right, to do a bit of work in the medical field. And I see neighbours, acquaintances, in many of the towns I'm familiar with, Marutna, Shepparton, Rochester. I mean, to me, they're not just names. Yachuka. They're basically neighbours. And what I can never understand is the piecemeal way we as a people, you know, deal with calamity. Whether it's a calamity caused by the natural world or whether it's a calamity caused by a corrupt ideology, it's always a response at the last moment. I mean, COVID-19 highlighted, and I'll speak about COVID-19 later on, highlighted how everything happens at the last moment. And the bushfires in 2019, the floods in Seymour, the floods in central Victoria, they all highlight the inadequate disaster response. It's all very well throwing in a few hundred, you know, soldiers and sailors to fill a few land bags, but we need much more than that. Now, I spoke about this. I speak about this every year. I'm going to speak about it again. Because if we accept there is a climate emergency, and obviously there may be one or two listeners who doesn't, but I accept there is a climate emergency. I'm quite happy to accept there is a climate emergency, and I'm quite happy to accept that we caused it. And even if you can't accept there is a climate emergency, there's always disasters. So in a country like Australia, which has a history of natural disasters and a history of, uh, you know, not responding adequately, while the pictures are on television and on the social media, everybody's excited and all, but once the pictures disappear, the people there are left to fend for themselves. Most people in central Victoria, like Lismore, cannot afford flood insurance. But there is never any discussion about setting up a national compensation scheme or a national insurance scheme for people who've been allowed to build infrastructure and houses and businesses on what are clearly floodplains, and that's what we are seeing today. Clearly floodplains. So one, there is no long-term, no long-term plan. For example, you may have heard me speak about a uh, acquaintance of ours, Mick, had his house burnt in King Lake West in 2009. He died a few weeks ago. He had only just laid down his new, you know, structure. Just the cement. 13 years later. Bureaucracy. Unbelievable. So let's look at the disaster situation. Let's look at immediate, long term. Now, in my humble opinion, and I'm not noted for being humble, but in my humble opinion, 
we need a state federal coalition to build disaster centres around the country. One for every 500,000 people in an urban environment, one for every 250,000 in a regional environment and one for 100,000 in a rural environment. And you would need about 70 of these disaster centres. Now, these 70 disaster centres would actually have personnel there, accommodation there, equipment there, which could be activated at a moment's notice to deal with a disaster, whether it's a fire, whether it's war, whether it's a pandemic, whatever. Not hearing, oh, some, you know, supermarket donated 300 pillowcases so we could put sand in a new chuka. I mean, how, how ludicrous. How ludicrous. There aren't even enough sandbags. And this happens... Because there is no forward planning. We are not willing to invest the money in these disaster centres. Why not introduce a 5% super profits tax on every one of those corporations which makes hay while exploiting this country's people? more than enough money to set up these disaster centres for them to be ready to deal with disasters. And obviously, with a national coordinating body, you would then be able to use maybe three, four, five, six of these disaster centres to deal with a situation in a particular place, which makes it a lot easier. Because with no planning, the response is piecemeal, And I have no problems whatsoever with all the volunteers which are out there doing the best they can with inadequate support from a state and federal government to protect themselves and their property and their businesses during the current flight emergency in central Victoria. And then what we need after that is a long-term plan with a long-term organisation, which again could be actually part of these disaster centres, whose responsibility would then turn to trying to deal with the aftermath on a personal basis as well as a community basis. Again, it needs resources. But more importantly, it needs political will. I mean, we seem to have the political will to attach ourselves to the United States coattails, irrespective of the problems it's going to cause us. But we don't actually seem to have the political will to deal with what will be increasing disasters, especially as more and more people build on floodplains and riverbanks and and the coast. It goes on and on. Think about it. This is not radical. There's nothing radical about having a disaster centres. 
There's nothing radical about having a plan to deal with the aftermath, especially when private insurance companies, who are not stupid. I mean, private insurance company, <coughs> private insurance company, are not going to offer you insurance if they don't think they're going to make a buck. And if your house or business is on a floodplain and it's flooded before, they're not going to offer you that insurance except for a very, very high level. So the disaster is in these situations, and these are some of the poorest parts of Victoria, regional Victoria. The disaster is that once the mud is cleaned out and a few thousand dollars of government support you know, move in their way, a lot of these people will no longer be able to meet their commitments because the damage that's been caused, they cannot deal with because they're not insured. And it's not they're not insured because they're stupid. They're not insured because the private insurance companies are smart enough not to offer insurance in these situations because they know that these disasters will continue to occur. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. The program is podcast. You can access it by going to 3cr.org.au. You can go to my YouTube channel, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, Facebook pages, Joseph Toscano, Public Housing, Everybody's Business, Toscano for Mulgrave, anarchistmedia.org, pipsy.net, it's there, all interconnected. Just put one up and you'll see all the rest. Big day out. Action, not words. Now, I think uh, interstate listeners may find this a little bit boring, but the thing is there are parallels between the Victorian state election and state elections around the country and parallels between state and federal elections. Because it doesn't matter where you are in this country, it's always the same story. There's never enough public housing. There's never food security. There's never enough resources for you know, uh, disaster responses. There's ne- never enough resources for health care. There's never enough resources for public education. Just look at the latest, latest material that's come out regarding public education and the fact that it's so grossly underfunded and under-resourced that kids in the public sector are falling behind because most of our money, especially at the federal level, goes into private schooling. I mean, I've got no problems with people going to a private school, but I do have a problem with those private schools being subsidised by the Australian taxpayer. I have a huge problem with that. Now, the ALP in Victoria, which basically doesn't really exist, the ALP these days, they call, like to call themselves the socialist left faction of the ALP, and I'm sure most of the socialist left people I know who have died will be turning their greys when they see the Premier somehow claim they've got human-focused policies. Over the last eight years, the policies of the current Labor government have been about construction. It's about greasing the palms of their mates in the construction industry. Could you imagine 
giving Transurban another 40 years right to toll commuters because they're going to build a $2 billion tunnel? Just extraordinary. Could you imagine selling this country's ports? Could you imagine selling the country's title, um, the state's titles office, and the list goes on and on. Action, not words. What type of actions? Are there any actions regarding food security? Are there any actions regarding public education? Are there any actions regarding public housing? And especially in Victoria, there are no actions regarding public housing because the policy of the Victorian state government over the last eight years has been full-scale privatisation of the public housing sector. They use lovely words like affordable housing, social housing, community housing, wonderful words, but at the end of the day, they're basically owned by private organisations. Action, not words. Is there any action regarding energy security? Huh? There may be action in helping large corporations produce green energy. But how about locally, publicly owned energy generating facilities in the city and the regions so that people have got energy security? Where is it? It's not there. How about recreation? Many people in this state and around Australia never have a holiday. They don't even have the money to fix a broken fridge. It's not because they're lazy or because they're on Social Security benefits. They're the biggest growing part of the economy. I know everybody says, oh, we all got jobs, is the working poor. See, the thing is, it continues ad infinitum. And the Victorian Premier, Mr Andrews, and his cohorts and his little mates in the Liberal National Party think that if they continue to talk about action, not words, they continue to show us pickies of roads that have been constructed, railway stations underground, they're all going to, you know, fall over and say, Hallelujah, brothers and sisters. Well, I'm sick of this. I am totally sick of this. At my age, I should basically be bloody enjoying my old age, not wasting my time actually standing against the Victorian Premier, Mr Andrews. And why Mr Andrews? Well, because he's the leader of the party. He's the one who has pushed this, you know, let's grease up to all the powerful segments of Victorian society. Let's help their bottom line and somehow that's going to flow off to the rest of us. Now, Mr Andrews, whatever you think of him, and I've got nothing personal against Mr Andrews, nothing personal. I don't believe any rumours or innuendos and I have minimal issues with the COVID-19 response and I'll speak about that later on. But my main issue is the fact that the Victorian government has forgotten the primary responsibility of a state government. And the primary responsibility of a state government, I'm not talking about a federal government, but a state government, 
the primary responsibility is to provide food security, provide health care, provide energy security, provide education, provide housing and help with recreation costs. Now the Premier is a wonderful professional politician and you'll find that many of the people in parliaments around this country, including Mr Albanese, are professional politicians. That's their job. I mean, I've got tons of life experience. Whether you think it's relevant or not is irrelevant. What is relevant is I have tons of life experience. You know? Tons of it. F- 50 years as a community social activist. 47 years as a medical practitioner. 45 years as a community radio broadcaster. As if what I've done is irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. So, I'm involved in this campaign not because I'm going to be elected as the member for Mulgrave, which includes Mulgrave and Springvale. That won't happen. I'd be lying if I told you that will happen. It will not happen. But I'm very interested in skewing the debate from this never-ending construction blitz into positive human-focused reforms. And I'm not talking about peripheral reforms, which make a good headline but have minimal impact on the majority of people. I'm talking of things like food security. I mean, I'd like to see a $150 food voucher and 70 for every adult and a $70 food voucher for every child who's on a Social Security benefit in Victoria. I mean, the great thing about COVID-19 is when, you know, payments went up, poverty went down. Now that those payments have disappeared, poverty goes up. And these vouchers are to be spent on micro and small businesses that are registered with the Victorian state government. We saw it with the tourist industry where people get a discount for having a beautiful meal at a restaurant. But why not provide a little bit of food security for people who have issues? Energy security. Why not build public-owned local energy production facilities? The great thing about green energy is that it's decentralised. It is decentralised. Although the green capitalists, the private investment for private profit model, want to make it a centralised system which they control. How about public housing? As I said before, I'm sick and tired of walking over people. You know, where is the public housing? Four years ago, we were on the steps of the Victorian Parliament, 10 days before the election. We were there for 24 hours a day for 10 days, and I stood against Mr Foley, the Minister for Housing. (coughs) We put enough pressure on the state government. They promised to build a a thousand new public houses. How many did they build? Nil. 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 I mean, public housing should be available to anybody who can't afford to buy a home. It should not be. It should not be some type of privilege. I mean, it's just extraordinary. $8 billion comes in in sales tax on the sale of homes. $8 billion, that's in Victoria. Even half of that amount skewed to public housing and you could 
house 100,000 Victorians in public housing every year, a million in a decade. You don't even have to build a huge building boom. You can just spot purchase around the state. Public education, and you know this is my favourite, you know. I'm, I'm a public boy. I went to a public primary school, a public high school. Unfortunately for the people in authority, um, the Whitlam-led Labor reforms allowed me to get a university education for three, unlike today. But when I see private charities raising money to send public to send kids to public schools so they can get all the privileges they all, all the support they need, I cry. It was never meant to be like this. Victoria was the first country in the world which introduced three compulsory secular education in 1876. Mr Hill, the Premier. When Mr Hill, the Premier, died, and he died in his mid-40s, he died relatively young, there was a line stretching all the way from Melbourne to the St Kilda Cemetery, two or three deep, people paying their respects for what the initiatives, the reforms that were introduced. Today, it's all about private schooling, not about public education. And how many times do we have to listen to stories about public health, the inadequacies of public health? I mean, I've had things happen to me this week which would make your hand, hair stand on end as far as trying to get people into public hospitals. I don't want to go into the details, but it's just extraordinary. Just extraordinary. How both at the state and federal level, nothing happens. And recreation... Everybody deserves a holiday. Simple concept. Every four years, every adult earning less than $1,000 a week will receive a $1,000 accommodation travel voucher and every dependent child receives a $500 accommodation travel voucher. Again, to be used in small and micro businesses across Victoria. And that's the key. Small and micro businesses. Unfortunately, many people in business think that the only way forward is to support private investment for private profit policies. That somehow everybody's a crook. The fact is, and I'm very familiar with small and small and micro business, the fact is that ninety percent of new businesses fail within five years because of unfair competition from the corporate sector, from the globalised corporate sector. And small and micro businesses have much more in common with people on low wages and social security benefits than anybody else. So the thing is, these policies benefit everybody. Because if you've got food security, energy security, public housing, public education and recreation security, you decrease crime, you decrease the pressure on a state to deal with those problems. It's no accident that we've got the second highest rate of anxiety in the developed world. You should think it'd be, we should have had the second lowest rate. But again, 
And it's no accident that nothing ever seems to change. So look, I had a, I had a mystical experience on Sunday. Yeah, almost mystical. Could even believe in God sometimes, couldn't you? Look, I'll, as is my want, I was hanging around the uh, Springvale Railway Station waiting for people to come along and have a chat about the Toscana for Mulgrave campaign. An 87-year-old turned up. We had a nice chat. And then while I was looking at the pigeon demolish a crumb, this young woman, about 25, maybe 26, limps across to where I am, you know, dragging her foot. She's got bad, she's got these dressings on the side of her neck. And I'm thinking to myself, yep, Joe, you're uh, going to have to fork out some cash here, boy. And about five minutes previously, a little bit bored, waiting for the masses to arrive at Springvale Station, I'd walked across the road and bought some packet of chips or a box of chips and a coffee. And this young woman drags her foot up to me and she says, oh, here I was, I was waiting for the sob story. She said, have you got any food? I said, what? She said, have you got any food? And I said, yeah, I've got, I've got these chips. She said, I said, take her. She said, can you afford it? Obviously, I look like another bum sitting on the concrete stump outside Springvale Station. And she took the chips and went around trying to get food from other people with no success. And she said, oh, I'm homeless. I'm sleeping rough. I've just been thrown out of hospital. So I'm thinking to myself, this encounter... That's why I calls it almost a religious encounter. This encounter highlights what the Toscano for Mulgrave campaign is all about. Food security was an issue as far as this young woman was concerned. We're not talking about some old person like me, you know, on their last legs waiting for God to take them to hell. Housing security. Access to education to improve the situation if it finds themselves. Access to adequate health care where somebody doesn't get kicked out of hospital when they've got, nowhere to, they've got no food, nowhere to live and no way of keeping warm. So it was this experience last Sunday which gave me the energy, the energy that I need to continue to conduct this campaign, which most likely which most likely, without your support, cause no ripples as far as the Premier and the opposition is concerned. Now, I've now got 30,000, that's right, little leaflets, A5, folded, 30,000, it's a lot of boxes. And I need you, that's right, I need you to help me distribute them in Mulgrave, and Springvale. And we're going to set aside two Sundays. Sunday the 30th of October and Sunday the 6th of November. It's all very well to tell me that there's no point, nothing will ever change, what's the point, I'm not going to vote, they're all the same, they're all crooks. The fact is cynicism 
is the aphrodisiac of the ruling classes. When you lose all hope and you're resigned to the fact that nothing will ever change, nothing changes. So you don't have to ring me. Turn up at Springvale Station. Why Springvale Station? One, it's in the electric. Two, it's on the train line. Three, it's on the bus line. And if you've got a car, it's even better because you can ferry people around the electorate. If we get 30 people on each day, which is not a huge number, I'm sure 30 people could spend a few hours wandering the streets, letterboxing, and getting some ideas across regarding basic the satisfaction of basic human needs by government. 30 on the third. On the 30th of September, maybe 30 on the uh, 6th of November. So we're all ready to go. Now, this afternoon, if you're listening to this program on the 19th of October in Melbourne, this afternoon between 12.30 and 2.30, I'll be sitting like a shag on a rock on a concrete seat outside Springvale Station under the palm trees. So you're welcome to come along. And if you want to start distributing literature today, you're more than welcome. But the important thing is, it's like everything else. Now, words may be cheap, but unfortunately, if you don't have a plan, action is useless. And that's what we've seen. We've seen a government that thinks if it builds things, we're all going to fall on our knees and say, Alleluia, brothers and sisters, this is the way forward. Well, there are some people in society who don't see this as the way forward. Now, if you expect the legacy media or social media to take an interest in this campaign, they won't, all right? Because ultimately, we are the people we've been waiting for. Not them, we. And if we can't make the effort to initiate change, change will never occur. As I keep saying ad nauseum, somebody at some time said slavery is a nasty thing. They built a mass movement over decades and slavery most part of the world is now non-existent, although it exists in some parts of the world, although we do have wage slavery. All right, let's move on. COVID-19, you're on your own. Now, I don't know if you know this, that uh, the COVID-19 pandemic is not finished. And if you're wondering what you're listening to, you're listening to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network from the studios of Melbourne's Radical Radio 3CR. My name's Joseph Toscano. But you see, COVID-19 hasn't disappeared it's there, it's in the community. But now, you are on your own. No publication of mortalities, no publications of admissions, no information, collated information, centralised collated information about what's happening with COVID-19. Now that people don't have to isolate, it means that those people that we made sacrifices for over the last two years are now on their own. And that means the poor, the disadvantaged, the disabled, the elderly, 
because as far as COVID-19 is concerned, you're on your own. If you haven't had your vaccinations, Guineas to Gooseberry, you will catch COVID-19. As more and more people with COVID-19 go about their business in the community, because obviously a lot of younger people who are vaccinated only get a mild flu. They might not even know they've got COVID-19 and inadvertently spread it. But you are on your own because the governments at the state and federal level, remember it's a joint decision, have made a decision that the mortality rates and the admission rates don't matter as long as it's business as usual, as long as the private investment for private profit crowd is able to continue making a buck. So if you're not vaccinated, think about it. If you do catch it, test. If you are positive, you can get antiviral medications, free of charge, courtesy of the federal government, with a script from your local doctor. You don't even have to see them. You can actually do a telehealth thing as long as you've got a positive COVID-19 test. You know. So if you're elderly... You have medical issues, you're disabled, you have issues, you're on your own and you need to do whatever is needed in order to protect yourself from catching this disease. It hasn't gone away. What has happened is we as a community have decided that people like you and me are disposable, that we will bear the cost to ensure the private investment for private profit crew continue ad nauseum to make a buck. It's very sad. It's really an exceptionally sad situation. Let's move on. Now, The Anarchist World this week, as I said before, is produced from uh, the studios of Melbourne Community Radio 3CR, and I've been... Hosting the Anarchist World this week in its various guises now for almost for, oh, 45 years. Now, as usual, financial issues, right? So, so in an attempt to pay our costs, Gamiri Radio 3CR, the radio station has created Anarchist World this week T-shirts. And if you go to... The website, 3cr.org.au, you can actually have a look at it and you can actually buy them online. $35, half of the money which is made from the T-shirts goes to paying for the T-shirts. And remember, Australian-made T-shirts, Australian screen-printed T-shirts, unionised labour, all the right things. I mean, we could have made it for five bucks if we were happy to send it to Sri Lanka you know, and, and exploit some sweated workers, but we weren't happy to do that. And half of the money which goes towards purchasing goes to pay the fees for the anarchist world this week. So it's a great way to find a presence, into the presence for all those disreputable and ugly people in your life. I'm sure an anarchist world this week T-shirt would make their day. And it's the same with the big days out, the 30th of October and the 6th of November. 
Now, I don't know if you watch TV. I try not to, but occasionally I watch the news and I'm just struck by the number of advertisements for weight loss and food and, you know, that you buy in boxes and then you make your own food and for exercise programs for gyms. A, for free, won't cost you a cent. Come and join us on October the 30th, November the 6th, 9am to 6pm, that's a Sunday's, Springvale Railway Station, Letterbox, the suburb, lose weight, get healthy. Doesn't cost you a cent. Why give it to these corporate sponsors? Now, I'm really disappointed. I'm really disappointed. Now, the the Australian Broadcasting Corporation thinks... It's got this huge story about Medicare rorts claiming, because of some PhD, that one-third, that's right, one-third of Medicare payments are bodgy, you know, bodgy, bodgy treatment. I'm thinking to, you, I'm thinking to myself, do they really know what a general practitioner gets for a consultation. If you do a home visit, that's right, a home visit, you've got to get there, you've got to see the patient, you've got to go to the next patient. You do a home visit and you decide to bulk bill the patient, it's $66 and I think 70 cents. No, $67 and 60 cents. And if they're a pensioner, they give you an extra $6.60. Think about it. If you do eight home visits in a day, that's 500 bucks. You know where the real Medicare rorts are? The real Medicare rorts are the relationship between state governments and the federal government as far as Medicare is concerned. You want to see a public hospital, that's right, a public hospital specialist, you need a referral from a local doctor to see that specialist so that the state government can use the rebate for its health costs. Now, that's a bloody rort. I mean, Medicare wasn't introduced. It was introduced to make access to health care, and the key word was access, a right, not a privilege, but to allow state governments to use the public hospital sector to gorge themselves on federal funding, that's where the Medicare rorts are. That's where the government guild at ABC should be looking at. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au, you can leave messages on 0439 0439395489. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Look, ultimately, as individuals, we can do very little. And it's very, very easy for governments of all colours 
at all levels, local, state and federal, to dismiss people like us. You know, telephone box minority, professional protest. God, I wish I was paid for every protest I'd be in. I wouldn't be talking to you now. I'd be holidaying somewhere in the Caribbean, you know, on my yacht. If I was a professional protester, never had a, never been offered a dollar. Unbelievable. You know, the uh, telephone box minority I said before, the fact is, it's in their interest to marginalise us. Because we're marching to a different drum. We're not marching to the private investment for private profit drum. We're marching to a drum which tries to devolve power. We're marching to a drum which says that common resources should be used for the common good. There is nothing more disgusting in this country than the amount of resources that have been ripped out of the earth and the profits that have been made by private corporations who refuse to share those profits to any significant degree with this country's First Nations people and the rest of the community. And the fact the corporate sector pays voluntary taxation in this country. And nothing will change. So you know what the revolutionary part of the Toscana for Mulgrave uh, campaign is? How do we get the money? And this is what they don't like. They're all very happy to kind of nod and laugh and, you know, squirm and, you know. But how do we fund these policies? Public housing. 50% 50% of stamp duty revenue raised on property sales to, to be quarantined for a spot purchasing and building program to greatly increase public housing stocks. Simple. Government policy. Doesn't need blood in the streets or revolution. Just a bloody bill through Parliament. How about, I know this, this is going to cause a lot of consternation to people who want to buy $50 million houses, A 1% super land tax on landholders, individuals, businesses and corporations who own more than $5 million of property in Victoria. I mean, a $5 million home, you know, we're happy for you to have it. Anything more? 1% every year. You own 10 million? 10 million? What's 10%? 10%? 10% of 10 million? And 10 million can be five little shops these days. 10% 10% of 10 million? A million. 1% of a million? Or 1% of 10 million? $100,000. Think of all the $100,000 that we flow into the state treasury, and it's a state tax. Now, some very smart companies, especially the large corporations, they don't actually own land. They're too smart. They pay rent. So why we charge a 1% rent tax on individuals, businesses and corporations who pay more than $5 million rent annually? Hmm? Think of all the money which will flow into the Treasury. And then there are some really, really smart businesses in the gig economy which refuse to treat their workers as workers, but they think they're all individual contractors. How about a 1% turnover tax on businesses and corporations who use virtual platforms who pay minimal rent and payroll tax 
if they have turned over more than $5 million annually. As I keep saying to people, you want things to remain the same? Cynicism, boredom, what else? Resignation, the aphrodisiac of the small of the one percent that own the means of production, distribution, exchange, and communication, and this and the eight percent who are part of the investment cl- class in this country. They're happy for you to be as resigned, as cynical, as angry as you like, uh, unless you challenge their authority, and more importantly their access to resources, resources that should be held in common. Because what is anarchism? It's about creating a society without rulers. What gives rulers the ability to determine people's lives, inequalities, power and wealth? So irrespective of what you call yourself, if you're involved in the struggle to share power, possibly through direct democratic means, and hold wealth in common and use it for the common good, you're an anarchist. So you need an Anarchist Will This Week t-shirt to scream it to the world. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist Will This Week on your local community radio station. This program has been coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne. It's broadcast across Australia, north to south, east to west, Tasmania, the Kimberleys, all over the country, via the community radio network. My name is Joseph Toscano. If you want to follow up some of these ideas or join the Toscano for Mulgrave campaign, which focuses on positive human-focused reforms, then go to the uh, website, Toscano for Mulgrave, Joseph Toscana. You can go to Pipsy, Public Interest Before Corporate Interests. Sorry, the other two are Facebook pages. Uh, you can go to YouTube, Public Interest Before Corporate Interests, anarchistmedia.org. Look, there's tons of stuff out there. The important thing is that you get involved in something. Whether you get involved in things that are initiated through the Anarchist Will this week or whether you get involved in things that are initiated locally or that are initiated by other activists across the country, the issue is your involvement. Without your involvement, nothing will ever change. And if you have been involved in successful campaigns in the past, you'll understand it's those campaigns which can attract people who are willing to support the interests of humanity before their own personal interests that change things long term. And that's why in this country, which is as rich as it is, we never seem to be able to deal with the everyday issues like food security, access to public education, access to health care, energy security, access to housing, recreation, the list goes on and on. And why? Because we live in a society which is corrupt, based on a corrupt ideology. Corruption is not the issue. The issue is we have a society which is based on private investment for private profit, and that corrupts everything. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Evil minds that plot destruction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, 
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.